Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's very special episode of TCCP is none other than up-and-coming cricket journalist and good friends of the County Cricket Podcast, Mr. Kieran McCarthy. So, Kieran, first things first, mate, thank you very much for joining me for what is going to be a fantastic episode of TCCP, our Division 1 preview show for the 2023 County Championship. Cannot wait to get into this one. I have to ask, mate, how has your day been so far? Uh, yeah, firstly, thanks uh, thanks for having me. Excited to, to be here. Yes, uh, going all right, thank you. Uh, how are you? And also, um, did you ever used to watch Soccer AM back in the day? I did. Yeah, it's been cancelled, isn't it? It has. It has. The reason I bring this up is it, they used to give people on their third appearance a, uh, a hat-trick ball. I'm just wondering what, what I get for my, for my third appearance. Maybe a stump? I'll take a stump. There we go, Kieran. When, when we meet in person this season, I'll give you a stump, like a, a cheap Slazenger one. There you go, <laughs> for a hat-trick appearance. What a way to start the show. But that is a sad, the sad demise of Soccer AM, because yeah. that was just a classic, wasn't it? Yeah, and that cricket AM never never really got got as much of a run. Uh, it is it is a sad sad day to see soccer AM go. It is indeed. Who knows though? Cricket AM get Matt Floyd back on. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what two thousand twenty three has in store? Eh? But listeners, you'll be glad to know that we're not here to discuss the the sad demise of soccer AM. <laughs> Instead, as I mentioned beforehand, we are here for arguably my favourite show of the entire season, and that is the Division 1 preview show. Now, 2022, the county championship was unbelievable. So, Surrey, the victors in the end, and then we had that unbelievable finish involving my county of Warwickshire. Liam Norwell taking figures of 9 for 62 to secure the bare survival in the division on the final day of the season against Hampshire, ultimately sending Yorkshire down to Division 2. It was an unbelievable way to wrap up an unforgettable summer of cricket. And I've absolutely no doubt in my mind whatsoever that this year will be just as thrilling, just as entertaining and just as exciting. So, Kieran, before we get into our analysis of the 10 teams vying for glory, vying for the chance to lift the biggest prize in English domestic cricket, we just have to discuss a few of the the new changes to the county championship. So, for those who aren't aware, actually, there's two major changes to the county championship structure in 2023, which you need to be aware of. And the first one is with regards to the batting bonus points. Now, in the past, 200 runs was enough for the first batting bonus points within the first 110 overs of the first innings. In 2023, however, it's been increased by 50 runs. So the bonus points now start from 250 onwards. So you get 250, 300, 350, 400, 450 runs. That equates to one, two, three, four, and five points, respectively. So if you score 450 runs, five points, maximum batting bonus points. In addition to this, though, we've also got a very interesting change during the middle of the summer. So for the ninth and tenth rounds, the Cookaburra ball will be used in place of the Duke. So, Kieran, as I said, before we get into our, our deep dive into the squads, what do you make of those changes? Are you a fan of those changes being implemented in the championship this summer? Uh, yeah, uh, I think so, because you're going to have, obviously, 
needing more runs, I think it's going to give you a more even contest between between bat and ball. Or not like obviously, two hundred runs it isn't you know an easy easy uh, target to get to, and then incrementally on on from there. But a little bit more for the first one, and then so on. It's it's going to be a little bit harder for for uh, batting sides um, to to get to. So it, hopefully that will see um, bowlers give a more reward. And then it could potentially be the the other way for the for the rounds where the Kookaburra ball is used. Obviously, not going to be as much movement, not going to be as much swing, uh, might not do as much off off the pitch. So it'll be interesting to see if there is uh, more reward for for bowlers because of the changing in in bonus points. Whether or not that's reversed in in the rounds where the Kookaburra ball is being used because the ball's not going to do as much for them. But yeah, I, I think the bonus points, definitely, it, it's going to make for a more even game overall. So yeah, all for it. To be honest, mate, I agree. I, I said this in the in the Division 2 preview show that I did with Mats. I quite like the changes because with the Kookaburra ball, I wouldn't want it for the entire championship. We need the Jukes ball. But as a trial, I don't mind it because it's, it's a different element which comes into play and it gives our, our young seamers the opportunity to, to get more practice with a ball which doesn't swing as much, which doesn't have as heavy a lacquer, which does feel different in the hands. So I think that is actually quite an interesting change to be made, whether or not it will be permanent. Again, we'll have to wait and see what the results of the trial show. If the games are completely one-sided, then it might only be a gimmick. It might be a fad, but we'll have to wait and see. You can only know these things once you've tried them out. And then when it comes to the, to the bonus points, again, I like that. And I like it for two reasons, because first and foremost, it buys into this new philosophy of English Red Bull cricket. Okay, we're going to say baseball at some point in this show, so I might as well get it out nice and early. But I like the fact that we are going for those accelerated run rates, that we are we are encouraging more almost dynamic batting in the Red Bull game in this country. So first and foremost, I like that. I think it's fantastic. And as you said, Kieran, as well, it does also introduce that dynamic for the bowlers. It gives them more reward. For example, if they can skittle out a side for less than 250 runs. In addition to this, I also think it will mean less results wickets because on a good day, if you are lucky, you can just scrape to 200 on a results wicket. If you're incredibly lucky, you can just about eat 200 runs out. It's a completely different kettle of fish to get to 250 runs. So for those two reasons, I quite like it. And again, only time will tell whether or not these changes will become permanent or not. But all in all, I don't mind them. We'll have to see how they play out in practice, but gut feeling is that they could be quite good decisions, but we'll have to wait and see. We can't really predict that just for the time being. But something which we can predict, Kieran, is the winner of the county championship. We're not going to do it right now. We'll do that towards the end of the show. But just on that on that line of thinking, I suppose, that is a fantastic place to kickstart our squad analysis for 2023. So... In terms of the opening rounds of fixtures, just for those who don't know, the championship does start on Thursday, the 6th of April. As of this recording, it's just 13 days until the start of the domestic summer. We have got Hampshire taking on Nottinghamshire at the Aegeus Bowl. We've got Kent versus Northamptonshire in Canterbury. Lancashire will take on defending champion Surrey in a mouthwatering clash at Emirates Old Trafford. Middlesex will take on Essex at Lord's. And finally, Somerset will face off against my county of Warwickshire at the Cooper Associates County Ground in Taunton. So an excellent way to kickstart the summer. 
And Kieran, what a place to start today's analysis than with Essex County Cricket Club. So we'll go in alphabetical order. And Essex are a very, very interesting outfit. As I mentioned, they play Middlesex at the home of cricket in the opening round. Now, 2022 was an interesting year for the club. So from 14 games, they won seven, they lost three, and they drew four, ultimately finishing in fourth place in the Division One table. Now, over the course of this off-season, it has been a little bit of a quiet winter for Essex. So in terms of major transfers, they brought in Australian all-rounder Will Sutherland for the first 11 games of the championship, but they haven't really made any other major moves. In terms of departures, Adam Wheater, the experienced wicketkeeper, has retired, and Seema Jack Plom has been released by the club. So first and foremost, Kieran, what do you make of Essex's off-season? Are you a fan of this almost, this lack of business, I suppose, from the Southern County? It's an interesting one because I think, uh, I believe they ha- had the least buying bonus points out of anyone last season and haven't strengthened the batting lineup. Um, and on the, the signing of Will Sutherland, I read an article uh, by Nick Housen at the Cricketer recently uh, talking about that signing that it was sort of strange that they potentially, like, that they haven't gone for a batter rather than, than an all rounder. Um, given that they've that sort of a limitation for them and and where they finished last season if if they had added another batter to that lineup um it could potentially have brought them up to to a level where they could have been challenging um on that i think will sutherland's a, a really good addition on both sides uh, i think he averages 25 with the ball so you can't turn your nose up at that for for, for an all-rounder and 20, I think he's just under 20 with with the bat. Um, if the big bash is anything to go by, uh, obviously it's not not comparison T20 cricket to uh, first class cricket, but he hits a really big ball. Um, he's playing for the Melbourne Renegades. He he generally started seven or eight, and then he got a few scores and, and got moved up the order towards the end of the season. Um, so potentially he he could be somebody that that does sort of fill, fill that gap and, and is towards the, the batting side of things. Potentially, he, he could be somebody who, who helps them. Um, maybe, you know, they, they could possibly have, have gone out and, and got on a batter instead. But, like, I see he's the he's now the joint highest wicket-taker in the Sheffield Shield uh, this season, having uh, taken four wickets today, level with Michael Neeser on, on 40 wickets. So he'll, he'll probably finish as the as the outright top wicket taker. Um, but it, I think it's, it's his batting that people are going to look at most. And if he doesn't get a lot of runs, then there will be questions asked of why have Essex not uh, gone out and, and got a batter instead. But but we'll see. And maybe he, he can be somebody that that adds to, to both side of the, sides of the game very well. Well, before we get into the discussion about Essex's bowling, because I do think that's their, their strength, do think they have an incredible bowling attack. Let's just discuss the batting because this was something which I've noticed a lot on social media. I've seen a lot of discussion about this. As you rightfully mentioned, Kieran, in 2022, Essex had not only the lowest number of batting bonus points in Division 1, but also in the entire county circuit. They had the lowest of all 18 first-class counties. They only managed to rack up 24 batting bonus points. If you look at the averages as well over the course of last summer, so you've got Sir Alistair Cook getting 966 runs at 42. 
you've got Nick Brown scoring 797 runs at 34.65, and Tom Wesley scoring 641 runs at 29.13. Essex only had three batters, those three that I just mentioned, who scored over 500 runs in the entire season. As a batting collective, they also had the lowest average in the entirety of Division 1. As a batting lineup, they averaged 28.85 runs per wicket. So that is a massive area of concern for Essex. And in your opinion, Kieran, do you think they should have gone for the extra batter? Because I certainly think they should have. I think they should have gone with an overseas batter if it was up to me. Yeah, I mean, looking at, obviously, Sutherland's a good player. And as I said, he could could add to, to both. He could have a really good season with the bat. Um, but as you've said, they, they were limited in, in the batting. And yeah, with that, that overseas spot, it might have, it, it would have made more sense to, to add a batter. Um, and that could have pushed pushed them up to to a level where where they were challenging because um, obviously bowling's not not a problem for them. You know, Sam Cook, Simon Harmer specifically, they're going to take wickets against anybody. Um, but you want you know you you want to have a, a score to to bowl at, and if you've not got got the bat in there, it's going to be a lot more hard for the bowlers. Um, I think. I believe Dan Lawrence missed a, a, certainly a bit of the start of last season, though, and, and there's somebody who has been in and around the test side recently. Um, potentially, he'll be somebody that that's going to be trying to fight his way back in. So I wouldn't be surprised if if he takes a lot of the trying to score runs on his shoulders, and potentially that could um, make for a better uh, some better totals for them, but it, it probably would have made more sense for them to have brought in a batter, yeah. I would tend to agree with that, but then again, at the same time, I do think Will Sutherland's is a really good signing. You mentioned his his outputs and efforts in this year's Sheffield Shield. He's been outstanding for Victoria, and he does just add another dimension to what is an incredibly strong bowling attack. And you mentioned two names there, Kieran. We'll start first and foremost with, with Sam Cook. 51 wickets last season. For Sam Cook, an average of 16.23. He's so impressive. Chelmsford born and bred, a local lad playing for his county, now gone on to represent the England Lions. He's my player to watch for this season for Essex. I think he's an absolutely outstanding talent. Moves the ball both ways, very accurate, very controlled, very disciplined with his seam bowling. I cannot wait to watch him again in 2023. And then a certain Simon Harmer who... We mention every single year, don't we? Ever since he, he came to the club in 2017, he's been absolutely outrageous. So since 2019, in the past four seasons of county cricket, Simon Harmer has taken 233 wickets at an average of 19.63. He's unbelievable. He's the leading wicket taker in county cricket in that time frame. And yet again, he's going to have a big summer. Yeah, he had such a slow start last year, and then he ends it with 59 wickets. So, yeah, Simon Harmer, watch out for him. I did not fancy the prospect of facing him at the height of summer whatsoever. But aside from the bowling, something else which I did just notice, and another strength just to almost wrap up with when it comes to our discussion about Essex, is how strong they are away from home. Now, in first-class cricket, traditionally teams are a lot stronger on home soil. We'll probably discuss this point when we get onto our conversation about Surrey. But last season, five of Essex's seven victories in the county championship came away from home. 
So that's pretty big, isn't it, Kieran, for a side to go away from home, pick up those victories. And they did pick up a lot of wins. They picked up seven over the course of the season. That's definitely something that they can work on and, and utilise their advantage in 2023, isn't it? Yeah, that's really interesting as well. Obviously, they've mm. got a good a good seam attack, but a lot of places in England, uh, a lot of grounds don't really prepare turning wickets. So you'd think a team with the best spinner in the country would potentially struggle away from, from home because the wickets got, aren't going to turn as much. So it, it's interesting that that they uh, their, their record away from home is is that good. Um, but obviously, I don't know Simon Harmer's record. He could, he could turn a ball sort of on it on anything and it's not particularly about the turn as much with him as just that where he bowls and and just sort of like the metronomic nature of just being able to land a ball again and again but it, it is interesting that um a team with a, with a spinner as good as as that ha- have managed to to travel so well um but you know you're not relying on on Simon Harmer because they've got a good bowling sack otherwise um so it's interesting though it is indeed. And again, 2023 will be a very interesting year for Essex because last year, fourth, I think that was a fair reflection of them. I think definitely they they did struggle at times in the batting department, but the bowling attack is fantastic. And again, they've got so many options. We haven't even mentioned someone like the breakthrough star of Ben Allison. You've got Jamie Porter, Shane Snater, who last year became an all-rounder. At yeah, one point, he had a great game against the Towards yeah. the back end of the season, yeah. Great game that, wasn't it? Absolutely fantastic game of cricket. And again, Snate is someone who's emerged as as a real real um, key part of this side. So Essex really do have the the makings of an interesting side. Whether or not I'd, I'd count them as out-and-out title contenders, I'm not sure because the batting does look a little bit shaky. But as you mentioned, with the return of Dan Lawrence, now that he's not in the England fold, with the likes of Alistair Cook, Nick Brown, Tom Wesley, the captain, you've got Adam Rossington, Matt Critchley in the middle order, who knows, Essex fans, 2023 could prove to be a good year for the Eagles. Only time will tell. But moving then from the southeast of England, let's go to the south coast, Kieran, and let's discuss Hampshire County Cricket Club. Now, 2022 was an extremely intriguing year for Hampshire because of 14 games, they won nine. So they won more games than any other team in the division. They lost four matches and drew one, ultimately finishing in third place, just one point behind second place Lancashire on 224 points. Now, in terms of the off-season, Hampshire have made very, very little in terms of moves. So they promoted Joseph Eklund up from the academy. Benny Howell has come in from a whiteboard deal, but they haven't really had any major outgoings. And again, Kieran, I'm going to ask you the exact same question for a side which people look at and on paper immediately they go, the seam attack is a lot stronger than the batting. Do you think Hampshire could have made some moves in the off-season to bolster that batting department heading into this year's county championship? Potentially, but I don't think they're in in like the same situation as Essex where they're overly reliant on a couple of people. They're, they're overly reliant, not overly reliant, I would say. They're reliant on James Vince, obviously. And then you've got the likes of Nick Gubbins, Felix Organ, um, at, at the top, um, yeah, it, it, it's another team where the the bowling attack is. I don't want to say a lot stronger than than the batting lineup, but I mean they they obviously could have uh, added an, another another batter to, to the lineup 
Um, and, and again, in, in the same situation as Essex, where that, that maybe could have given them that, that push. Um, but I, I don't think it's it's a weak batting lineup, and I think that there are players that, that are going to win you games in there. So I don't think it, that they're in a in a bad situation having not added to it. Fair enough. I, I'm of the opinion that I think they probably could have just added someone just for a little bit of depth, right? That's just that's just my two cents on it because, as you said, they're not over reliant on one or two cricketers, and actually, to give some balance, last season Hampshire did actually have the second most batting points in Division 1. They finished with 37 of them. So it wasn't a bad year with the bat in hand, but I just feel as though if someone, and let's fingers crossed that this doesn't happen, but let's say that James Vince did get injured this season, I do think they are lacking in batting depth. I just think they could have gone with maybe a backup option from the domestic circuit, but that's just my opinion. Again, Hampshire fans, please do feel free to disagree with that. But we mentioned the bowling attack, and that bowling attack is one of the best in the entire country. They are an absolutely delightful team to watch. And you look at that terrifying trio of Mohamed Abbas, Kyle Abbott, and Keith Barker last season, 160 wickets taken between those three bowlers, with Abbott taking 58, Barker taking 52, Abbas taking 50. Kieran, in your opinion, is that the best seam bowling trio in the entire country, especially considering as well, as if that wasn't enough, they've got Graham Welch as the bowling coach. That should not be allowed, should it? Yeah, it, it is the best in, in the country. There are, there are teams that have got very good bowling attacks, um, but to have three frontline seamers that take as many wickets as they do game in, game out, don't particularly have a bad game. Um, and then off, you've got uh, a good spinner in, Liam Dawson, uh, all-rounder in, in James Fuller as well to to um, take some of the burden off them as well. It's the the three the three pronged seam attack is is very strong in itself, and then they've got other options around them that just strengthens the the bowling attack that little bit more. So they that that is the best uh, bowling attack in the country, I would say. Yes, I tend to agree with that, and I, I do think that 2023 is going to be absolutely no different for the Rose and Crown of Hampshire. That bowling attack is frightening. You mentioned the spin of Liam Dawson. He offers so much control. We mentioned the metronomic nature of Simon Harmer. I almost do think that Liam Dawson very much does possess that skill set as well. He just lands it on a penny piece. Very difficult to get lots of runs against. So again, I think he's going to have a big summer. And then the likes of James Fuller and Ian Holland, they are just breakthrough specialists, aren't they? If the likes of a Bass, Abbott and Barker don't get you, you've got those two charging in getting some movement off of the surface, providing those key breakthroughs, destroying that momentum of the opposition. At the Aegeus Bowl, I think Hampshire are going to be tremendously difficult to beat. So I do think they are up there as title contenders. It's absolutely staggering to me that Hampshire County Cricket Club have not lifted the county championship since 1973. It's now been 50 years since this club has lifted the greatest prize in English cricketing history so I have to ask here and it is the million dollar question we've been asking it for years but looking at that team on paper with the likes of James Vince Nick Gubbins you've got the likes of of a Tom Press Ben Brown the experienced wicketkeeper that seam trio of Barker Abbas Abbott you've got Liam Dawson James Fuller in there Ian Holland Kieran McCarthy is 2023 the year that the curse is finally broken what are your thoughts uh you've You've bigged it up now. It it feels 
it feels mean to say no, but no. <laughs> they'll they'll be up there again. Like as you can see from last season, they had a very good season. They'll probably have a similarly good season. I just don't think that they're quite at the same level as as a couple of other sides. It's an interesting one, isn't it? It is an interesting one, and uh, my heart does go out to Hampshire fans because they've had some incredible Red Bull teams, and they've got so close, haven't they? In the last two seasons of the championship, I think third place has done them a real disservice. They should have been a top two team, especially last season. Obviously, it was the, the benefit of my team, Warwickshire, because we, we secured survival in the division, but I do think they are a dark horse. If I was to put a dark horse for this year's championship, I think there's two out-and-out title contenders. And funnily enough, they're facing each other in the first round at Old Trafford. But if there was to be a dark horse, a team which just simmers beneath the surface with that seam attack and with those batting options, I think it is Hampshire. So, again, we'll have to wait and see. I, the only reason that I don't have Hampshire as an out-and-out -out title contender is the batting consistency. And, again, I just look back to last season. That Warwickshire game was a prime example. They scored over 300 runs in the first innings, and then they crumbled to 133 all-outs in the second. In addition to that, I look back to the Kent game as well, towards the last end of the season, 57 all-out against a team which at the time was struggling to find any kind of rhythm in Division 1. Hampshire in recent years have lost key games at crucial times, so that is something which could undermine their season yet again in 2023. But I tell you what, if you do judge them on paper, with the likes of James Vince and that bowling attack, they are going to be up there. So who knows, Hampshire fans, 2023, 50 years since the club last lifted the county championship. Could it be a season? Who knows? Only time will tell. You'll just have to watch Hampshire in action at the Aegeus Bowl over the course of the summer of 2023. But Kieran, aside then from Hampshire, let's discuss one of the teams that I've actually just alluded to there, which is Kent County Cricket Club. So Kent actually last season, although they did have a shocker to start with, they actually finished the season incredibly strong, ultimately ending in fifth place on 158 points, winning four of their matches, losing five, and drawing five of their matches as well. Now, over the off-season, they've been very busy in the southeast. So they brought in Joey Everson from Nottinghamshire, the big one, Michael Hogan from Glamorgan. Where on earth did that come from? We were absolutely shocked to find that out. And then Arshdeep Singh, the left-arm seam bowler from India, will be available for five matches in June and July. In terms of the outgoings, though, Kieran, this is where our first discussion point comes from. It is arguably the biggest departure in the county championship this season, and that is, of course, Darren Stevens. He's been released. Mr. Kent himself will not be representing the White Horse in 2023. First and foremost, what did you make of that decision to let Steve-O go? It's a weird one because he's still he was performing. I mean, you can like you can look at his age and and he's not going to go on forever. But for as long that as he is going to go on, they might as well have just kept handing him an, another season until he you know breaks down or or you know just can't go anymore. Um, and it's weird that that nobody's picked him up yet. Like from his performances over the last couple of seasons. He looks like somebody that could just carry on and, and keep going and and it's not even just that like he looks okay, like he looked good over the past couple of seasons. So personally, if I was uh in charge at Kent, I would have just handed him another season and you know, see 
how how long he can go for and how long he can keep contributing to games for them. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes without saying because I think I've made it brutally clear on social media and of course here on the podcast how much I, I respect Darren Stevens and he is a legend of the county circuit. I cannot believe that a county has not signed him. And yes, fair enough, in the essence of balance, last season was not good for Stevo. In Red Bull cricket, he averaged 92.75 with the ball in hand and just 24.6 with the bats. But in terms of the white ball formats, he's proven time and time again that he's still got it. You know, he was a key pillar. He completely changed Kent's fortunes in the one-day cup. And the fact that nobody signed him, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. I cannot believe that Darren Stevens has not got a county this year. So if any of the representatives of the of the other 17 first-class counties are listening, sign up Stevo, even if it's not for the championship, for the one-day cup, his experience, his skill set, the batting that he provides, I think he could still be a very, very useful option in the limited overs formats in the summer of 2023. But aside from the, the marquee departure of Darren Stevens, they've also lost Harry Podmore. He's gone to Glamorgan. Matt Milnes has gone to Yorkshire. Ollie Robinson has gone to Durham. And Matt Henry has gone to Somerset. So it's been a very, very busy winter. And Kieran, this is a very tough question for me to throw at you. But in terms of those departures, do you think they outweigh the, the quality of the incomings? What are your thoughts on that? Do you think Kent have got stronger as a result of this winter? Or do you think they've got weaker? What are your two cents? It's uh, obviously a couple of the incomings. Uh, Michael Hogan's going to add, you know, experience, um, wicket-taking bowler who, again, as with Darren Stevens, has still been doing it of late. Um, I think they've they only got Arshdeep Singh for five games, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's going to be good for them for, for a, a small amount of time but you know he's not he's not there all season so that's it's not going to be a massive signing for them you know hopefully for them he do, he does well um in the few games that they've got him for but there's a lot of they're not big names per se other than other than Darren Stevens but like experienced cricketers that that did add, add something to the side um so they might potentially be worse off because of those outgoings, I would say, yeah. I would tend to agree with that in one particular department, and that's the bowling attack. Because, as you mentioned, they have brought in Michael Hogan, and I think that is a fantastic piece of business. Because they have lost the experience of Steve-O. You bring in Michael Hogan, who's been doing the business for Glamorgan for, for what, the past decade now. He's been absolutely outstanding in first-class cricket, the, the Welsh club's leading wicket-taker. In Division 2 last season, I think he's an excellent signing to have. Arshdeep Singh as well provides something completely different. That left arm angle, extra little bit of nip and pace. I think he's a really astute signing for the White Horse. But in terms of the same battery, they've lost some real key components. So Harry Podmore, even though he might not be starting every single game, again, he's a good backup option. So he's gone to Glamorgan. Matt Milnes, at one point, was one of the most exciting prospects in the country. He's now gone to Yorkshire. And Matt Henry as well has also gone to Somerset, one of the Division 1 rivals for Kent this summer. So I do worry about Kent's bowling. I really do. And last summer, they struggled. The bowling attack really, really struggled. So as a unit, Kent took 188 wickets in Division 1. It was the lowest figure in the entire division. Only the likes of Warwickshire and Gloucestershire marginally managed to better that with 189 wickets apiece. So... Kent's on paper do look worryingly thin 
in the scene departments. In addition to that, none of their bowlers took over 35 wickets last summer. So we spoke there about the likes of Essex and Hampshire, who've got players taking 40, 50 wickets. The leading wicket taker for Kent last summer was Nathan Gilchrist with 33 wickets at 27.03. So again, that is going to be the real litmus test for Kent. If they are going to have a bad summer or a good summer, I think it does depend on their bowling attack. Would you agree that, Kieran? Or do you think the batting is also something which we should be aware of when it comes to this Kent side? What are your, what are your opinions? They, they are they are going to have to rely on uh, Nathan Gilchrist, uh, Matt Quinn uh, at the top, uh, you know, opening the bowling. And, and there's not, you, you're looking around, there's not a whole lot elsewhere. So they, they are potentially going to gonna struggle there. And then, you know, if, if one of them gets injured or, or is unavailable for a period of time, that, that is going to be a struggle. Um, the batting, though, it's a very good, a very strong top order, um, and I think uh, obviously you're not you're not going to have uh, Zach Crawley for some of the time, um, but they are um, benefiting from the fact that Sam Billings is going to be there from the start of of the season for the first time I think since 2015. He's actually going to start the season with with Kent, so I don't know if that's particularly going to you know, bring them up to a level where, where they don't, um, where, where it's going to, you know, the, the bowling's not going to be as affected, obviously, you know, you can, you can score as many runs as you want, but if you're not taking the wickets, then you're not going to win games. Um, but they, they would hope that the, the batting's strong enough that they all, they're also not going to lose games. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be a struggle for them for the bowling. Definitely. Yeah, I, I do worry about the, the bowling attack for Kent. And, and obviously, I hope they prove me wrong for the sake of the Kent fans because last year was a massive struggle. But you mentioned the strength of the batting department. And, and let's start first and foremost with Ben Compton, who had an unbelievable summer in 2022. 1,193 runs, average of 54.22, the second leading run scorer in the division, and I just wanted to read out some scores, really, for the for the sake of the Kemp fans who aren't aware of what Ben Compton's been doing over the course of this winter. So he's been in Zimbabwe for the he Mountaineers has. in the Logan Cup, and just to read some of his scores: so 37, 154, 45, 217, his first ever first-class double century, which he scored against the Rocks. 17, 131, and 105, the Logan Cup's leading run scorer was Ben Compton. So, again, I expect him to have another massive summer for Kent in 2023. In addition to that, you've got the likes of, of Zach Crawley for a few games, Daniel Bell Drummond, who's been a tremendous performer for Kent across formats for a number of years now. You've got the experience of Joe Denley. The, the addition or the return of Sam Billings as well is massive. Having your club captain for the start of the season is a tremendous bonus for Kent. You know, just from a, a morale perspective, from a wicket-keeping perspective as well, Sam Billings oozes class on the cricket field, so I think that's fantastic for the club. And then Jack Leaning as well. And in terms of a player to watch, Kieran, just before we get onto our discussion about Lancashire, who would be your player to watch? Because for me personally, I'm going with Tawanda Muyeye. I think that boy oozes class, quality, panache and flair. And even though he didn't have the best of times last summer, over the course of five matches... He scored 211 at 26.37. 
I do think that this summer could be a breakthrough year for the superstar in the making, Mr. Tawanda Muyeye. So who do you go as for uh, for Kent's breakthrough star of 2023? Uh, can I say Sam Billings just because he's actually going to be there all season? Like, obviously, he's not an up-and-comer, but I think the fact that he is going to be there, maybe he'll be in the Ashes squad, so maybe he won't be there all summer. Um, but the fact that he's going to be there from the start of the season, I think they'll really, really benefit from that. And I think he'll score a lot of runs having been there from the start of the season. Um, so I, I'm not going to give you a, a a young star who's going to come through. I just think that, that the return uh, of, of Sam Billings or having Sam Billings from the start of the season is going to be a massive benefit for them. And, and hopefully I can see him scoring a lot of runs. Um, and if you add him alongside Ben Compton, who's who scored runs for, for fun last season and, and the likes of Daniel Bell Drummond and hopefully Zach Crawley hits runs when he's available. Um, Sambling's adding to that group is going to be a massive benefit for them. So that's, that's mine for you. I think that's a fair analysis, Kieran. And again, with Kent, it really is live and die by the sword when it comes to the bowling attack, isn't it? That will be the litmus test. If the bowlers come to the forefront, the batting is more than capable to keep them in this division. But again, we'll have to wait and see. The proof will be in the pudding, Kent fans. But aside from the southeastern county of Kent and Kieran, let's move to the northwest of England and let's discuss Lancashire County Cricket Club. Now, I'm going to to mention my first hot take of the podcast at this point in the episode. Lancashire County Cricket Club, in my opinion, are the favourites for the title in 2023, and I've got plenty of reasons why. But before we get into those particular reasons, let's just have a look at the squad and take a look at the transfers which have taken place over the course of this off-season for the team which finished in second place last summer. So they pipped Hampshire to the runners-up spots winning seven matches, only losing one game and drawing six. So that Lancashire team had a very, very impressive summer last year. Now, over the course of this winter, they've upgraded the, the contracts of three academy players in Tom Aspinwall, Matthew Hurst and Harry Singh. And they've also brought in the Kiwi all-round duo of Colin de Grandom and Daryl Mitchell for the height of the summer. In terms of outgoings as well, Lancashire have got a very, very settled squad heading into this season. So aside from the departure of Hassan Ali to Warwickshire and the release of Liam Hurt, nobody else has left Lancashire heading into this year's county championship. So first and foremost, Kieran, looking at that squad on paper, looking at the balance that is present in that side, where do you see the real strengths and weaknesses of this Lancashire team being in the summer of 2023? Uh, for me, the Batting lineup is the main strength, um, but they're not a team that that's going to struggle with with bowling as well. Um, obviously, look at the likes of Tom Bailey specifically last season, just taking lots and lots of wickets. Um, but yeah, the, the top order batting, obviously Keaton Jennings, uh, the top run scorer last season. If he has another season like that, then they'll be massively in contention. Luke Wells, Josh Bohannon had a very good season and has played for the Lions, uh, Stephen Croft. And then adding to that, Daryl Mitchell, who had a very good time playing in England against England last summer. Um, Colin de Grandome has scored runs for a number of different clubs 
in England and he obviously gives you a, a, another string to his bow, the fact that that he can bowl as does Daryl Mitchell, which to be fair in, in England might not be uh, an awful shout, um, sort of 75 mile an hour nibble it around, get people nicked off. I think his his batting is obviously his his main strength. And if he bats like he did against England for, for New Zealand last summer, then Lancashire are going to be a lot better for it. And I can see how they would very much be, be in contention. I think they'll definitely be up there. I think they'll be one of the top two teams. I just don't know if they'll be the top team. Interesting. And again, we'll probably get into this discussion when we get onto our chat about Surrey, because again, I do have my thoughts on the Brown Caps this summer, but just the the reasons why I think that Lancashire are going to finally overcome that second place curse and lift the county championship this year does lie in the strength of their batting and of course the bowling as well. But you look at Keaton Jennings, 1,233 runs last summer, Luke Wells, 991 runs. So between them, they scored a total of 2,000 224 runs. They were the most effective and the highest scoring opening pairing in the entirety of county cricket last summer. As if that wasn't enough, you've got Josh Bohannon with a first-class career average of 43.68. You've got Dane Villas, who has 10,000 career first-class runs. You've got Stephen Croft, who has 9,629 career first-class runs. You're bringing the likes of Daryl Mitchell for, in particular, the game at Blackpool against Essex. He plays his club cricket for Blackpool. So Daryl Mitchell is a fantastic signing for the Red Rose of Lanks and obviously Colin de Grandom. You mentioned the all-round nature of his cricketing abilities. Great batter to have in the middle order. Can completely change the dimensions and the dynamic of a game of first-class cricket. And he does provide that same bowling option as well. So that batting lineup is absolutely remarkable. Bear in mind, we haven't even mentioned the likes of Liam Livingston, who could come in for a few games this summer the likes of Phil Saltz with the gloves, the likes of George Balderson, who had a really impressive time of it last summer. That batting lineup for Lancashire is so well-balanced. It's nice and varied. I think it's absolutely magnificent. And then you get onto the bowling attack. So fair enough, you might not have Jimmy Anderson for a lot of the season, but you've got Tom Bailey, you've got Saqib Mahmood, you've got Will Williams, who was a revelation. The Canterbury seamer who came in last year and instantly lit up Old Trafford. You've got Luke Wood with the left-arm seam, and then you got Matt Parkinson with his magical leg spin. On paper, from 1 to 11, that Lancashire team is so beautifully balanced, I would be absolutely shocked if they do not lift the championship for the first time since 2011. But Kieran, you don't think that's the case. And we'll get onto that discussion in a bit more detail when we get to Surrey. But why do you think that Lancashire could fail to overcome that hurdle and maybe finish second or third again? In this year's county championship, what are your your reasonings behind that? I don't think it's any any limitations for them. I just think that the strength of of Surrey really like it, it could be a case where the the top two teams win the majority of their games. I can't see Lancashire losing a lot of games, and they probably will win a lot of games. Um, as I said, um, Keaton Jennings. Uh, I, I don't don't want to say like um, their season's going to rest on him, obviously. Um, a lot of good batting around him. It would help if he has another good season. Um, and then with the ball, obviously, you know, the likes of Will Williams, very good first season in, in England last season. Tom Bailey took a lot of wickets. 
Saqib Mahmood coming back if they have him fit and available for a lot of the season. He'll take a lot of wickets. They will win a lot of games. I just it's not uh, as much their limitations as as the strengths of Surrey, to be honest. No, that's fair enough. And again, we'll get into the strength because it is unbelievable strength, which Surrey do possess yet again in the county championship this season. But just to give a little bit of balance to my view, just to wrap up our our Lancashire analysis, I did some digging. So as long-term listeners of the podcast know, I love a nice niche stat. So in terms of that second place curse, as I put it, Lancashire finished second in five out of the last seven county tournaments since 2021. So they finished twice in second place in the county championship, finalists in the One Day Cup, finalists in the Bob Willis Trophy, and finalists in the T20 Blast. So, unfortunately, they lost all all three of those finals and so finished second in the championship twice. But I thought I'd do a little bit of extra digging. So instead of looking back to 2021, I decided to look all the way back to 1890, the first ever year of the county championship, funnily enough, where Lancashire finished second. And this is a great stat. But in the history of the county championship, Lancashire have the most second-place finishes out of any of the 18 first-class counties. They finished in second place on 21 separate occasions. Now, in terms of the next highest figure, that belongs to Middlesex with 13. So this is something which has plagued Lancashire throughout the entire history of the club. And obviously, they had that massive drought in the county championship. They had that, was it, 77 years without lifting it outright between 1934 and 2011. So, Lanks do have history of finishing second. On paper, I think they'll win. But again, cricket is not played on paper. And the fact that the team have come so close and yet gone so far in so many competitions and yet not have won a trophy, I think that could potentially play into the psychological battles when a team like Surrey, when a team like Hampshire, or a team like Warwickshire do face off against the Red Rose. So 2023, it has the makings of potentially being an all-time great summer for Lancashire. But can they surpass those demons? Can they finally get past that hurdle and finish in first place and lift the county championship for the first time in 12 years? Only time will tell, Lancs fans. But what we can be certain of is that they'll be very, very strong yet again in the summer of 2023. But Kieran, aside then from Lancashire, let's head down to London for the first of the two London teams and let's go to the home of cricket. Let's talk about Middlesex County Cricket Club. Now, in 2022, Middlesex were in the second division and finished in second place. So they secured promotion in the final round of games and they finished on 225 points after winning six matches, losing two and drawing six. Now, over the course of the off-season, they have been relatively quiet in North London. Unfortunately, Kesha Maharaj, who was due to come in for the summer, has now been ruled out with an Achilles injury, so he will no longer represent the Saxes in 2023. But they have got the massive signing of Ryan Higgins. That is a coup, to say the very least. Gloucestershire's leading first-class wicket-taker for the past five seasons. So that's a massive, massive bonus. And they've also promoted Nathan Fernandez from the academy. In terms of departures as well, They've only had one, and that's Nathan Salter to Durham. So, Kieran, again, looking at that Middlesex team on paper, where do you see the real strengths, the weaknesses, and potential opportunities maybe presenting themselves for the Saxes in the summer of 2023? This is 
one of the ones where you you see the the strength of Division One this season, but with the teams that have come up, because I don't think Middlesex will have any problems staying in Division One now that they've come up. I think there's a lot to like on on both sides with with the bat and with the ball. Um, John Simpson had a good season with the bat last season, but like Sir Stoneman, uh, Max Holden, Steve Eskenazi, who um, has obviously had a really good winter in white ball cricket and if he if he can translate that to red ball cricket that they're, they're going to be um a lot better for it and then the bowling like to toby roland jones tom helm ethan bamber and then you add in ryan higgins as well it's not going to be a bad season for them i don't know how how high they'll, they'll be able to go but i don't think they'll be in in any danger of relegation so it'll be interesting to see sort of it's sort of like a free season for them I think you know the first one after coming up that they shouldn't be in, in in danger of relegation, so they can just sort of play freely and see how far they can they can go the first season after coming up. For me, I would agree with that. I think it's a great opportunity, isn't it, for for Middlesex because for so many years they toiled away, didn't they, in the second division, getting so close to promotion, it didn't quite pan out. But last season they got the job done, and as you mentioned, that squad on paper. Toby Rowland-Jones as a new captain is an interesting move, though. I did just want to ask about your thoughts when it comes to TRJ as the Middlesex captain. What do you make of Middlesex having the, the experienced seam bowler, the former England test cricketer, as their new captain? Are you a, a fan of that appointment, per se? I, I quite like it when any team makes a bowler the captain. Obviously, it's not something that happens a lot in, in first-class cricket, definitely not in, in test cricket, but... Um, it's it's not something that, that happens an awful lot. So I quite like when when a bowler becomes captain. You know, like uh, <laughs> say Toby Rowland Jones is quite on like Pat Cummins level, but it, it's I, I enjoy it when when a bowler becomes captain. Um, and obviously, they, they've got they've got that thing where you know you don't want to bowl yourself too much and and whatever. But uh, I mean, he he probably can because he takes wickets for fun. So. Um, it's it's a different dynamic though having a having a bowler as, as a captain because obviously as a batter if you're purely a batter you don't do a lot when you're stood in the field so you see everything that's happening you can as a bowler be influenced by um, what's going on in in your own bowling but I I would see that more as a positive to be fair and and someone with the experience that he's got both in county cricket and having played for England I see that as a as a positive step yeah yeah I quite like it to be honest because we, we don't see it enough I don't think in, in first class cricket and as you mentioned he's not like for like when it comes to Pat Cummins but maybe that is the the thinking when it comes to Middlesex in particular at the home of cricket Lords is renowned isn't it for, for being that more seam friendly of a pitch in comparison to others in county cricket so I quite like it and you know what I'm buzzing for Toby Rowland Jones because he was so unlucky wasn't he with that England career, could have gone so much further, but injuries unfortunately derailed it. I think, you know, just look back to his his test average, and not enough people ever talk about this, but he averaged 19.64 in test cricket, you know. I know he didn't play many games, but he was good. He was great to watch in the summer of 2017, and in the summer of 2022, Middlesex is leading wicket-taker by some margin with 67 wickets at 18.8. So, congratulations First and foremost, to Toby Rowland-Jones for getting the captaincy, representing the Saxes as the skipper is absolutely massive. And you do have to say 
he is going to be yet another key weapon for the London-based county in this year's county championship. But just talking of the bowling attack, Kieran, I'd love to know your thoughts on this because, again, this is just where I see the potential weaknesses developing for the Saxes. But I do worry about the lack of a specialist Red Bull spinner. And it's such a shame because they had this gap plugged with Kesha Maharaj and then he got injured celebrating against the West Indies. Achilles heel, I think it was, or Achilles tendon completely torn, out of action for the season. So Middlesex, as we speak, are now scrambling to try and find a replacement for him. Now, in Maharaj's absence, you've only got the likes of Luke Holman. He's got 18 first-class career appearances. Or Tilan Walalawita, who's only got 12 career first-class appearances. So, in terms of the Red Bull spin attack, is that an area of potential weakness, in your opinion? Do you worry about the, the potential lack of experience for the Saxes in that department? Uh, it's one of them that, in England, it doesn't matter so much if you don't have a, a quality spinner. Um if you've got a good enough seam attack, you can sort of get away with it. Uh, you do want to have a spinner just so you've got got uh, that point of difference in, in your side. And they do have spinners that, that they can call upon. I mean, even even in the side, I, th- I believe Max Holden bowl, bowls a bit of spin. And obviously he's going to be in the team quite often. So if they could get some more overs out, out of him while sort of blooding the likes of uh, uh, Luita, um then potentially that might, you know, they might not be as as limited. Um, I don't see see it being a massive problem because you're not going to play on a lot of pitches that that are going to turn that much um, in in the first class cricket in England. No, that's a fair enough analysis. It's just maybe it's just me being a spinner. I, I do like to see some experienced spinners, but then again, at the same time, for the likes of Luke Holman. Anatil Amwalalawita. It's a massive opportunity, isn't it, for them? Both have got talent. Absolutely no denying that. Walalawita in particular in the Bob Willis Trophy I thought was exceptional. I really do think he's a good talent, but yeah, it does provide an opportunity. So unfortunate for the club to to miss out on the services of Maharaj, but then again, there is a potential opportunity for those two young spin bowlers to really fight for their case in that Middlesex starting eleven over the course this summer. So just to kind of summarise then for Middlesex, pretty strong team on paper. The seam attack is looking nice and balanced. I love the batting lineup as well. That was an area of weakness in the past. I can't say that in 2023. Like the Sam Robson, Mark Stoneman, you mentioned John Simpson as well. Had a great summer last year. Peter Milan, having him for the entire summer as well instead of just five matches. I like the looks of Middlesex. I don't think that they're potentially title contenders. But I think mid-table, maybe with an eye ahead to the future by blooding that young talent would be a successful use of the summer for Middlesex in this year's county championship. But aside then from London, Kieran, let's take a trip then for the first time in today's podcast, the East Midlands. Let's go to Wantage Road and talk about Northamptonshire County Cricket Club. Now, Northampton in 2022 really were dark horses, weren't they? They finished sixth in Division 1. A lot of people fancied them to get relegated, and yet they showed so much grit so much fortitude, so much tenacity. They really turned into a very good team to watch. And over the course of this winter, they have brought in some excellent players. So David Willey from Yorkshire, what a signing that is. Experience, batting depth, bowling capabilities. He's also a left armour, so provides that different angle. Great piece of business from North Ants to bring him back to his hometown. In addition to that, they brought in Ollie Sale from Somerset, 
Sam Whiteman, the overseas player from Western Australia. George Gowler and George Weldon have been promoted from the academy. And then one of the most unsung pieces of businesses in this year's county championship. And I'm so happy for this guy because he works tirelessly. He's been plowing away in the South Asia Cricket Academy for the entirety of this off-season. But Hassan Azad is back in county cricket. He is there on a retainer contract. It's not a, a quote-unquote full-season deal, but I love that piece of business. I love that for Hassan, and he fully deserves it. In terms of outgoings, though, North Ants have also lost the likes of Brandon Glover. He's gone to Durham. Ben Curran and Charlie Thurston have both been released, and Nathan Buck has retired. So, again, looking at those incomings, outgoings, Kieran, and obviously looking at the squad on paper, how do you see North Ants faring this season? Do you see them as mid-table contenders or do you see them towards the lower end of the table? What do you make of this North Ants side in 2023? It's a tricky one because on the the incomings are going to strengthen the batting quite a lot. Um, Sam Whiteman and Hassan Hazad particularly are going to strengthen the top order. Um I I would have thought David Willey will play Red Bull. Um, I assume I, it's been a long time since he was at North Ants. I assume he played uh, Red Bull when, when he was there. I don't recall him having played a lot of Red Bull for Yorkshire uh, over the past few years. Um, he was primarily used in in the uh, one-day competitions and he was very good in, in the one-day one competitions for Yorkshire. I remember being at a game last season, I think he batted three against Durham and hit 50 quite quickly, I think. Um, but he hasn't played an awful lot of, of red ball of late. And for Northland's bowling attack, they might have, I would have thought, want him to, to play red ball. But whether or not he has... You know, he obviously doesn't have the experience of late, but he, he is a, an experienced cricketer. So it's sort of like... There's two sides to it, and it'll be interesting to see. Um, and I think that's where the the limitations lie. Really, is on the bowling side. I don't think they'll they'll struggle with the bat. Uh, I think they've got a couple of guys injured, so at the start of the season, it might be a little bit of a struggle for them. Uh, but the signings of Sam Whiteman, you would have thought he'll be a very good signing for them. And Hassan Azad, I just don't know if the bowling is up to the standard that they will be particularly safe. I think they might struggle on account of that. Yeah, it pains me to say, to be honest, Kieran, because I like Northamptonshire as a county and I hope that they stay up. But when I look at that seam attack, don't get me wrong, they've got some very good options. And the primary option is, of course, Ben Sanderson a legend of, of county cricket, 328 first-class career wickets. He's been unbelievable for the East Midlands County for a number of years now. But the one issue that I do have with North Ants' bowling attack on paper, in comparison to other bowling departments, they seem a little bit one-paced. Would you agree with that? Because they have got the likes of Ben Sanderson, potentially David Willey, you've got the likes of Jack White in there as well, Tom Taylor, you've got the likes of, of Gareth Berg as well, James Sales the young up-and-comer from the England under-19s, they're all very good swing bowlers and they'll get movement off of the surface. But when you look at them in comparison to a Lancashire, for example, or Hampshire, who've got those different options, those different speeds at their disposal, do you worry that they could become a little bit one-dimensional, in particular at the height of summer, when the Kookaburra ball is used in place of the Jukes? Yeah, that 
that might be a, a period where they struggle, where the ball's not doing as much and, and the bowlers have a skill set that's primarily based on moving the ball around. And obviously they, they, they've lost Brandon Glover, who didn't play an awful lot of first-class cricket, but he is a point of difference in that he's sharp and he's the, the sort of guy you see a lot in test cricket where if something's not happening, just fire it in short and, and stick a couple of scouts out to a uh, fine leg deep square and just hope you, that you can you can get a wicket by bouncing people out. And if they get into a situation where there's not a lot going on, you, they might find that it is difficult for them to make a breakthrough because they haven't got that. Um, if David Willey plays, I mean, he's not particularly sharp, but the fact that he's a left armour, that gives you a little point of difference. Um, but I think just as a whole, yeah, the, the, the bowling attack might find themselves struggling a bit this season. Yeah, that's my worry as well. Uh, don't get me wrong, I think they've got some some very good bowlers. And I think it's a testament to the strength of Division 1 that we can even look at that team on paper and go, they are towards the, the lower end because even then they've got some great, great options. But I just look at the one-pace nature and the fact that they are very similar in terms of being the swing bowling archetype that we know of in crickets that could potentially potentially work against North Ants in 2023. But what I will say about the county is when it comes to the bats in hand, they're very, very reliable. And in 2022, six Northamptonshire players scored more than 500 runs. So when we compare that to Essex, for example, who only had three, they're getting runs throughout the entirety of the order. And that is so important, so, so important in the county championship, not to rely on one or two players. The fact that they've got consistent runs throughout the order is massive. So 2023, I think, is going to be a difficult year for North Ants. They've got some incredibly strong opposition. But with Luke Proctor at the helm, they've got an experienced and battle-hardened batting attack, which has got a great chemistry. They've got a great understanding. I, I don't see them finishing bottom of the division by any chance of the imagination. I really don't. I don't think they're going to struggle that much, but potentially come the height of the summer when counties do have that point of difference in the bowling attack, Maybe that is where Northants come undone. Only time will tell. But again, Northants fans, interesting summer. For the first time, Northamptonshire back-to-back in Division 1 in the club's history. So fingers crossed they can stay safe and remain in Division 1 heading into the summer of 2024. But Kieran, aside then from the first East Midlands County, let's head slightly north but still in the East Midlands and let's go to Nottingham. Let's talk about Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club because... Notts had a fantastic time of it last season, finishing first in Division 2. And over the course of the off-season, they've recruited very well. And it pains me to say this as a fan of Warwickshire County Cricket Club, but Notts have brought in Ollie Stone. So that in itself is a marquee signing, to say the very least. They've also brought in Tom Lowton from, from Yorkshire, which is an interesting signing. But again, Tom Lowton's been on the up, just very, very under the radar, actually, in first-class cricket. So I'll be interested to see how how he actually fits into that squad this season. And then in terms of outgoings, they haven't had any particularly major ones aside from Joey Everson. He's gone to Kent. Saul Budinger's gone to Leicestershire. And Zach Chappell has gone to Derbyshire. So it's been a pretty even off-season in terms of incomings and outgoings for Nottinghamshire. So with that in mind, Kieran, looking at that squad on paper, with the likes of Steve Mullaney as the captain, you've got Ben Slater, you've got Ben Duckett, Hasiba Mead, you got Joe Clark, you got Tom Moores, Luke Fletcher, 
Liam Patterson, White, Lyndon James, Stuart Broad, Dane Patterson, Ollie Stone, just to name but a few. What do you make of Nottinghamshire's chances in the county championship this summer? I said it with Middlesex, and, and the same applies to, to Notts, that it shows the strength of, of Division 1 this season, that two sides that have come up that shouldn't be in any danger of going back down. I think the same uh, of Nottingham as I do of Middlesex. So I don't think they'll they'll have any problems. Obviously, they were strong in, in Division 2 last season, and you've just listed off the, the, the amount of quality players they've got. They'll likely translate very well to Division 1. I can't see any reason why. I mean, look at Ben Duckett currently opens the batting for England in Test cricket. Hasib Hamid has opened the batting for England in, in Test cricket. Um, Ollie Stone coming in if he's available um, for a long period of time because obviously he has, he's had problems with, with injuries. There's your, your point of difference in that you've got a quick bowler. You've got the likes of Luke Fletcher, Dane Patterson, who's been playing for Western Province in South Africa over the winter and has done well. Liam Patterson-White, Brett Hutton, like both sides, batting and, and bowling. It's just a very good um, all-round team. And also, Brett Hutton used to play for the club that I used to play for. So, you know, there you go. There you go. Interesting bit of trivia. What, what was the, the club, if you don't mind me asking, Cameron? Bawtree. It's, uh, they, they play in the Bassett Law League. Bawtree? Yeah. There we go. Shout out to Bawtree. I wasn't expecting to say that in, in the Division 1 preview, but there we go. Home of the, the hitman, Mr. Brett Hutton. But you mentioned the seam attack. I, I just have to talk about that first and foremost, because again, Stuart Broad will be on international duties, but even if they have him for a couple of games, you've got someone with 576 career test wickets, and he's Mr. Nighthawk as well. So with a bat in hand, he'll provide some entertainment and some flair and panache. So he'll be great to watch as a neutral. Ollie Stone has 150 career first-class wickets at 24.78 over the course of, of 44 matches. Dane Patterson last season was exceptional, 56 wickets at 22.35. And then you've got Luke Fletcher, 438 career first-class wickets. So <laughs> on paper... That really is ferocious. It's a fearsome bowling attack. And that isn't even mentioning the likes of, of Brett Hutton and, and Lyndon James, who can provide these key breakthroughs here and there. So, yeah, on paper, that's looking very strong. Jake Ball as well, as the backup seamer. You, you can't really go wrong when it comes to the seam department for this side. And then with the batting, Haseba Mead and Ben Slater, reliable opening duo. You mentioned the likes of Ben Duckett, Joe Clark, Tom Moores. Lyndon James is no slouch with the bat. Liam Patterson White can bat as well. On paper, it's looking like a very, very strong team. The only thing which I could see potentially derailing knots this summer, as you mentioned beforehand, Kieran, is the international requirements. Because last summer, they had Ben Duckett for 10 of 14 matches. Now, he's going to be opening the batting for England. So he won't be available for 10 matches. Absolutely not, because he's playing in, in both red ball and white ball cricket for the three Lions. Ollie Stone will probably go on international duty as well. You imagine the likes of, of Stuart Broad, obviously. He'll be in the ashes. So... That's just the one area of weakness. Don't get me wrong, they've got some good backup options with the likes of, of a Matt Montgomery, for example. But do you see the potential loss of Ben Duckett as, as maybe being a thorn in the side of Knotts' of Knotts's chances this year? How, how do you how do you analyse that? Yeah, it could be. I mean, the the first thing I'd be interested in at the start of the season, if Ben Duckett is opening the batting at Knotts, because he hasn't done so 
uh, a lot. But obviously the fact that he's, he's opening the batting in, in test cricket, you'd have thought he'll be shifting to the top. Um, but even if they lose him, for, well, they will lose him because he's going to be playing in the Ashes. Even if he isn't playing, which you'd have thought he would be after a, a play in Pakistan and, and New Zealand, they've got uh, Hasib Hamid and Joe Clark, both England quality players. One of them has played for England, another very well could have done. Ben Slater, just a really good uh, first-class cricketer. And then the the pieces around, but uh, particularly at the top of the order, I don't think they'll, they'll struggle the fact that Ben Duckett won't be available for, what is it, couple of months maybe I know the, the Ashes I don't think actually goes on for that long this year but we'll probably lose him a week or so either side and depending on whether England allow a lot of the the test cricketers to play or not load management and and whatnot but I, I don't think there's going to be a massive issue if uh, if Ben Duckett doesn't play for two months interesting and again only time will tell we'll have to wait and see won't we if if it does have an impact, but I think we're both in agreement, Knots look very strong, in particular in the seam department. So, yeah, Knots fans, if you can get yourself down to Trent Bridge, get yourself down in, particularly if Stuart Broad's playing. As I said, watching the Nighthawk in person, <laughs> nothing like it. So, yeah, again, Knots, another team in this preview, which we imagine are going to prove to be very, very difficult opposition to beat. But aside then from the East Midlands counties, let's go to the West Country and let's talk about Somerset County Cricket Club a team which had a very disappointing time of it. In 2022, they finished seventh in Division One, very much in the relegation battle for almost the entirety of the summer. Lost their first three matches as well, let's not forget. So they won three, lost six and drew five, ultimately finishing on 149 points, securing that safety for another year. And over the course of the off-season, to give Somerset a lot of credit, I think they've recruited brilliantly. So they brought in Sean Dixon from Durham, they brought in Tom Cody-Cadmore from Yorkshire. Matt Henry, the Kiwi seam bowler, will be at the Cooper Associates County Ground from the 11th of May onwards. And then they've also brought in Sherb Bashir, the young 18-year-old off-spinner from Berkshire. In addition to those ingoings, they've not had too many departures. So they've only lost Marshall Delanga to Gloss and Ollie Sell to Northants. So, Kieran, right off the bats, what have you made of the off-season for the Wyverns? Uh, there's some good uh, inbounds. Obviously, Matt Henry very good test standard bowler uh, is a very good signing. Uh, Tom Collar Cadmore, again, a really good signing. Similarly to David Willey, hadn't played a lot of um, red ball of late, but that was mainly because of his concussion um, that he suffered in the PSL before the start of last season. So he can't remember if he played at the start of the season. I remember him coming back into the team and doing quite well um, at the back end of the season, but he didn't play an awful lot. Um, but he's one that's had a, a good winter in, in the PSL again. Um, and he's got, you know, a, a good basic skill set that, that means that he can transfer his game well from, from white ball to red ball. So I think the, the inbounds are strong if they get it right. Um, just looking at the strength of Division 1 as a whole, though, how strong the other teams are, they might struggle just 
not really because they're going to be a bad team per se, but there's a lot of other good teams. Um, and looking at the the batting, I'm not sure there's really a standout name other than Tom Abel, who I'm not sure if he's fit yet or not. Um, so that possibly could have been an area of improvement. Obviously, they've signed Tom Kolek Cadmore, who you know could have a very good good start to the season, and, and then they'll be okay. Uh, if not, and and again, if Tom Abel isn't fit for the start of the season, I haven't actually heard anything about his injury recently. But you know, I, the the batting is where they're going to struggle. I would say. Well, it is, and to be honest, it is the elephant in the room, isn't it, when it comes to the discussion about Somerset, it is the batting, because it's been the problem for for a number of years now. The bowling strength is undeniable, with the likes of Craig Overton, Josh Davey, obviously bringing in the likes of, of Peter Siddle and Matt Henry as the overseas players as well. They've got a formidable bowling attack, but every single season we seem to discuss Somerset's batting, and as I said, I do think they've recruited well. With Sean Dixon, he was very promising actually last year for Durham. Had a great start to the summer, racked up a ton of runs early doors. But bringing in Tom Curley-Canmore as well, they they do they do have options. I just worry about the balance, and I do worry actually at times whether or not Somerset have got enough confidence in the batting because the bowling attack has been so good for so many years. I do feel as though they rely so much on that that the batting almost takes a back step. And this year, they cannot afford that. They cannot afford to allow just the likes of, of Tom Abel, for example, to carry the batting. The likes of, of Davis, the likes of TKC, the likes of Dixon, George Bartlett and Tom Banton, whoever they've got in that batting lineup has got to step up to the plate because last season, aside from Abel, you mentioned already how impressive he was. 1,039 runs at 51.95. Aside from Tom Abel, there wasn't a single Somerset batter who scored over 700 runs in the county championship last season. So it's a massive area of weakness, and it is the one which, again, I question. If Somerset can bat well, they'll be fine, because the bowling attack will carry them to victories, and they will stay in the division. But yet again, it's about the batting depth, and it's about the batting balance. I do worry about that at times for Somerset. But aside from the weaknesses, Kieran, let's also discuss the strengths, because they do have Tom Abel who I think actually will be available for the start of the season, whether or not it's the first game against Warwickshire or the second game. I think his his recovery is going well from that hamstring injury, so that's a massive boost for Somerset. Tom Banton will also be back. And you look at the, the weapons that they have across both departments, they do have some very promising players. And one player in particular I just wanted to discuss in a little bit more detail is James Rue. James Rue is a fantastic cricketer, Kieran smiling, and rightfully so because he's a fantastic talent. And last summer, he scored 337 runs in seven matches at 37.44, including his maiden first-class century. Is he your player to watch, Kieran? Because for me, he definitely is. He possesses class, he possesses fortitude, grit, resilience. He's everything that Somerset wants in a first-class cricketer, isn't he? Yeah, I actually mouthed James Rue when you were saying that, because I knew that's what you were going to say. Yeah, he had a, a good breakthrough season last season uh i seem to recall that he did quite well in in um white ball as well maybe i'm wrong Can't really oh he did he scored a ton against warwickshire to knock us yeah. out of the one day cup yep well there you Cheers, go james then. thank you thank <laughs> you for that <laughs> so, yeah he's like that that group of um 
England under 19s that that side that he was in um there's a lot of them that are, that are coming through and, and showing that that they're very good options for their respective counties um obviously you've Warwickshire have got one in in Jacob Bethel uh Tom Prent uh, Tom Prest at Hampshire uh Ryan Ahmed obviously um and and James Rue he wasn't really one of the standout players I think you'd, you'd say that Ren Ahmed, Tom Prest and uh, Jacob Bethel were the standout players in the 19 squad. But since then, he has been one of the, the most impressive um, members of, of that side. And for Somerset, if he continues to, to develop how he, he showed that he can play last season, then they will benefit from that. Um, yeah. He's just a very good cricketer, isn't he? Let's be honest. James Rue is a fantastic talent. And if you're a Somerset fan, remember the name because he is going to have such a fantastic career across formats. He's also an excellent keeper, as if it wasn't enough. So James Rue, definitely someone to watch out for. But again, if we are just to do an overall kind of of analysis of Somerset, bowling's fine. I think they have improved the batting, but again, that'll be the litmus test, won't it? If the batting doesn't fire... You, you may be looking at relegation. Who knows? Such is the strength of Division 1 this season. Only time will tell, but it's going to be a very, very interesting season in Taunton, to say the very least. Kieran, we are at this point of the podcast, though, where we discuss the reigning champions. So we move from the West Country and we go to South London, to the team which is based at the Oval, and we can now talk about Surrey County Cricket Club, the team which you have tipped which will win the championship again in 2023. So obviously we just mentioned it there. First in Division 1, romped home to the title. Eight wins, one loss, five draws, 250 points, 48 of which were batting bonus points, which is ridiculous considering that the second most was Hampshire on 37. And again, they've made some pretty good moves in the off-season. So they've nabbed Dom Sibley from my county of Warwickshire, former England opener, Sean Abbott as well, the Australian white ball scene bowl has come in for a stage of the county championship. And in terms of departures, they have lost Hashim Ambler, which will be a massive loss, as I shall discuss in due course. And they've also lost Colin de Grandom to Lanks. So on paper, Kieran, what are your thoughts? What are the strengths, the weaknesses? And I suppose the million dollar question, why do you think that Surrey will retain the county championship in 2023? What's your reasoning behind that? So... The, the the signing of of Dom Sibley firstly is going to massively aid the strength of of the top order. So you so last season obviously they had Rory Burns and Ryan Patel opening the batting most of the time. I would assume uh, Dom Sibley would open, but uh, I, I'd assume that would probably knock Ryan Patel down to three. Um, and then so you've got Dom Sibley. And Rory Burns opening the batting, who used to open the batting together for England. So straight away, that's a very good opening partnership. Then if Ryan Patel does bat at three, he had a very good season with the bat last season. You've lost Hashim Amler from that that middle order. I would have thought Jamie Smith will probably move up a little bit. Um, A guy who has played for the Lions of late um, and hit a mental hundred for the Lions. He's like, he he's 
Basball, like if like just one of the if if there was a definition for 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 Basball for sort of the next era of Test cricketers that that haven't yet played, he he is in that that group. Um, and then you've got your bowlers, Kimar Roach coming back, Dan Worrell, Sean Abbott, who you a lot of people would see him mainly as a as a white ball bowler with good reason. He's taken the most wickets in the history of the Big Bash, I believe. Also a very good red ball bowler though. Um, I mean, you only have to look at the the amount of test cricketers that Surrey have. Um, that shows the, the strength, you know, Ollie Pope, Ben Folks. And the one thing that they're going to benefit from is that Sam Curran hasn't played test cricket of late and probably won't be in the Ashes squad. So after he gets back from the IPL, he'll probably play a lot of the time, probably back five or six and obviously finally his uh maiden first class ton last season has been bowling very well in white ball cricket transfers that to red ball cricket that's a very good middle order that sort of uh rounds the team off quite nicely along with the good top order and the good bowlers uh i can't see a lot of weakness in in that team to be honest no, neither can I. And to be honest, Kieran, we could spend all day talking about Surrey. And I think the, the one stat which I'd use to describe the incredible nature of the batting is that last season, Ryan Patel, of the of the regular players in the batting lineup, actually had the lowest average. And his average was 35.95. That was the lowest. 35.95 was the lowest average for any of the regulars. You look at the likes of, of Sam Curran, he averaged 75.66. Ben Folks averaged 73.25. Ollie Pope averaged 70. Will Jacks averaged 54. They really are the Galacticos, aren't they, uh, of county cricket? Surrey just yet again. And that is even, that's not even mentioning the bowling. You've got Kemar Roach, one of the all time leading test wicket takers in West Indies history. You've got Dan Worrell. You've got Jamie Overton. You've got the likes of, of a Gus Atkinson, even if you need him. He averages them 30 with the ball, and he's rapid. So they've got options. And then in terms of one player who blew my socks off in 2023 and who I back to have yet another fantastic summer is Tom Laws. Tom Laws had the best bowling average at Surrey last season, taking 18 wickets at 23.72. I love his attitude. He's also quite feisty on the field, but he's also a very, very classy operator. And I think he's got a fantastic ceiling in this game. So yeah, adding the likes of Dom Sibley to the top of the order, I'm absolutely gutted to see him go for many, many reasons. Been the linchpin of the Warwickshire top order ever since he joined us from Surrey in 2017. But I do fancy them to make quite a strong contention for the title yet again this summer. However, this is where one of the most interesting stats of the podcast gets whipped out by yours truly. Because I do my research for these podcasts. That's why I absolutely love the preview shows. And for Surrey, I thought I would try and bust the myth of invincibility that the Brown Caps have created for themselves in, in Red Bull cricket over the past two years. So I did some digging. And I was very, very interested to look at Surrey's home and away form. So at home, these are the stats, right, for the Brown Caps last season. So they won six matches, drew one, 
and lost zero. So they had an 83% win rate in first-class cricket at the Oval, which is ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. In terms of overall win rate at the Oval since 2019, so in the past four seasons, they've won 45.45% of their games on home soil. So they've had 10 wins, nine draws, and only three losses, which is tremendous. The Oval really has become a fortress for Surrey in first-class cricket in recent seasons. However, this is where the interesting dynamic comes into play because the away form for Surrey has been absolutely terrible by comparison. So last season, Surrey won two of their seven away matches. That's just a 28.5% win rate in comparison to 83%. But this wasn't a one-off. This has been happening since 2019. In fact, in the past four seasons, Surrey out of 22 matches away from home, have only won three. That's a 13.6% win rate. They've had three wins, nine draws, and a staggering 10 losses. So Surrey, even though they have this air of invincibility, they are the Galacticos, they've got all the test players, and they will undoubtedly create an incredible title charge yet again in 2023. They're beatable. They are beatable, and they know that. And I wonder if that could come into effect over the course of this summer. You've got teams, when they look at defending champions, I know this because I saw it with Warwickshire last season, as soon as you have that name tag on you, you are the target, you are the team to beat. Surrey are terrible away from home. So I do wonder if that could come into effect. If the likes of a Lancashire, the likes of a Hampshire, maybe a Warwickshire in an ideal world, if they can maybe produce some good home performances and put the pressure on Surrey, heading into their away games. The title race is going to be interesting. What do you make of that, Kieran, having seen those stats? I mean, it doesn't make for, for good reading when you've, you know, said that Surrey are going to win the title. But then Lancashire have finished second quite a lot. So there's stats for, for a lot of things. Obviously, that's not as uh, this like recent. Uh, they've finished second in a lot of things recently, but that's more historically they've finished second a lot, whereas... Surrey's away form has been uh, poor of late and with the strength of of other sides around them, you can't really afford to not be winning games wherever you go. You know, you can't you can't just be a good team at home. You need to be you need to travel well. Um whether or not that will limit them, I'm not sure. I think that they're probably good enough that they can sort of turn that around this this season and it might not be as much of a problem maybe it will who knows but I just think as a whole they are going to be very strong and they'll win a lot of games and it might not matter where it is I think they'll still win the majority of their games to be honest Kieran I don't doubt that I do think Surrey at bare minimum are going to be top three but I don't think they're going to win the county championship and I'll say that on the podcast right now and no doubt I'll be proven wrong because my predictions usually go disastrously. But I just feel as though Lancashire, even Hampshire, might have a better season than Surrey in 2023. But only time will tell. The Brown Caps, knowing them because you mentioned history, they have won the thing on 21 occasions, second most successful county behind only Yorkshire. So they'll probably make it 22 trophies this season. But again, I, I don't think it's as, as clear cut this season. I don't think it's carved out in stone necessarily in comparison to last year but 
That's Division 1. That's why we love it. So competitive. And talking of the competitive nature of Division 1, let's go to our 10th and final county. You know what they say. Save the best until last. Let's head to my home county. And let's go to Edgbaston Cricket Ground in Birmingham, the home of Warwickshire County Cricket Club. A team which, honestly, last year had a terrible time of it. I, I can't mince my words. I can't be sat here and going, oh, well, they did well. We didn't. We had a really, really poor season. We finished 8th. If it wasn't for Liam Norwell providing the, the bowling performance of the century, we would be sat here talking about Warwickshire in Division 2. So plenty, plenty of things to improve upon from a Warwickshire perspective this season. And in terms of the transfers, it has been very, very busy. I've not known it being this busy here in the West Midlands for a very, very long time. So in, in terms of incomings to the club, Moeen Alley has signed a white ball contract. He's also on a pay-as-you-play for Red Bull Cricket. Ed Barnard has been snapped up from local rivals Worcestershire. Chris Rushworth, Durham's leading first-class wicket-taker, a man with 603 first-class career wickets, has chosen to move to Edgbaston. And Hassan Ali, a man who took 25 wickets in five matches for Lanks last season, has also joined the Bear and Ragged staff. With that being said, though, we've also had a lot of departures. We mentioned the likes of Dom Sibley to Surrey, Ollie Stone to Knotts, Adam Hose and Matt Lamb have moved to Worcestershire and Derbyshire, respectively. Nathan McAndrew's gone to Sussex, and Ryan Sidebottom has been released. So, Kieran, before I give my thoughts on the Bears, because obviously I've got my, my opinions on my home county, but what do you make of the Bears this season in terms of strengths and weaknesses? And, of course, what do you make of the business that's gone on in the West Midlands over the course of this winter? I don't think the strengths are... Like as with with other sides, it's very much your batting's a strength, your bowling's a strength. It's more there are players scattered in each facet that you're going to be quite good as a batter. You're going to be quite good as a bowler. I don't think it's as rigid as as that. So that could be a benefit, or it could be to the detriment, depending on who you play against, and 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 um, depending on the form and and whatnot. Um, I didn't actually know that Adam Hose had left. That's an interesting one. Um, obviously, losing Dom Sibley's not ideal, um, but Hassan Ali is going to be a massive signing um, to go alongside. That seam attack actually could be very good um, alongside Liam Norwell, Oliver Hannon Dolby. Chris Wokes will be available from the start of the season, won't he? So that could be very uh, a very strong seam attack, actually. Um, yeah, the batting is an interesting one. Uh, obviously, the, a man whose name is Sam will hit some runs. Sam Hain for England, of course. Um, of course. Not just for knows? 2023. Sam Hain yeah. for England is for life. Nobody really knows why he's not yet played for England. In pick a format, he could probably do it. Um, there's one, you know, more than the others that 50 overs, unsure why he's not, not played yet, especially um, when Tom Abel got injured, got ruled out of the Bangladesh series. Sam Hain should have already been in, uh, been picked for that series, in in my opinion. I'm not sure why they didn't name a replacement and why it wasn't Sam Hain, but he'll do very well this season. Um, I think Davis had a good knock in South Africa 
in a warm-up recently, didn't he? At 94, uh, mm-hmm. retired, which why would you not let him get to 100 when he's on 94? I don't know if that was his choice or if he got called in. Um, there's definitely some some strengths, and, and I think in terms of the incomings, Hassan Ali is the, the big one. He certainly is. And let's talk first and foremost about that seam attack because I've got to be completely honest. Obviously, cricket isn't played on paper. But in my view, Warwickshire have got a top three bowling attack this summer. We really do, as long as they stay fit. That is the big if because (laughs) I think back to 2019 where we lost pretty much the entirety of the seam attack to injury. If Warwickshire can keep these guys fit, we're going to be fine. If they get injured, completely different kettle of fish because we do have a rather weak batting lineup by comparison. But let's just talk about some of these same bowling options. So bringing in Hassan Ali, we mentioned 25 wickets in five matches. Chris Rushworth, well over a decade of first-class cricketing experience, 603 first-class career wickets, Durham's all-time leading first-class wicket-taker. You've got Chris Wokes, who's an England test cricketer. I cannot wait to see the Wizard in action in the early stage of the championship. We're so blessed and privileged, and I cannot wait to see him on home soil. Then you've got Liam Norwell, Mr. Nine for 62. He was unbelievable last summer. So he played four matches, took 22 wickets at an average of 16.27, which included two five-wicket hauls. Liam Norwell is a Warwickshire legend, in my opinion. And as long as he stays fit, we'll be fine because he adds that extra dynamic to the pace attack with his extra speed and ferocity. Then you've got the main man, Oliver Hannan-Dolby, the owl, or I think he's going by the bald eagle heading into this summer. For some reason, he's had a different haircut. He's, he's gone the Jake Lintock route, which <laughs> is going to be interesting to see this summer. But last year, he really did carry the bowling attack for the Bears. 53 wickets at 23.69, three five-wicket hauls. Oliver Hannan-Dolby was absolutely unbelievable. So that same attack on paper, you've got England players, you've got a Pakistan international, You've got an England Lions player in Liam Norwell, and you've got two of the most consistent county bowlers in OHD and Chris Rushworth. That isn't even including Ed Barnard, who took 31 wickets for Worcestershire last season at 39, who also adds a massive deal to the batting lineup. So in terms of the seam attack, massive plus, massive, massive plus, And I give Warwick an awful lot of credit for introducing those new names and for reinforcing the seam attack heading into this summer. The only problem that I do have with Warwickshire this season is the batting. And we've mentioned Sam Hain, and I can talk about the great man himself until the cows come home. 1,137 runs last season for the Bears, averages 63.16, three centuries, six fifties as well, scored 114 fours over the course of the season. Sam Hain was on a different planet for Warwickshire County Cricket Club. And again, I've said it so many times, he should play for England. Sam Hain for England, now and forever, until that man makes his debut, I will continue to hammer this point home because he's an unbelievable cricketer. 6,000 career first-class runs, 2,865 list A runs at 57.3. Warwickshire's all-time leading T20 blast run score as well. Get that man in an England shirt. But aside from Hain, and I'd argue Michael Burgess, he also had a very good time of it last year with 745 runs at 41.38. Now that we are missing Dom Sibley, there's a massive hole at the top of the order. And both Rob Yates and Alex Davis struggled massively in the county championship last season. So the litmus test for Warwickshire, the thing which will determine Warwickshire's place in the championship, whether we get relegated or could potentially even vie for the title, will be those batters 
that is the key for the Bears. And I think Will Rhodes, as the captain, is going to play a very, very interesting role this summer. I don't think he's going to bat at five anymore. So I think he will move up to number three. I think they'll go with Yates and Davis opening, Rhodes at three, Hayne at four. And then it's just a case of filling out the middle order with the likes of Burgess, Barnard, Wokes. We've got the likes of Dan Mousley, Chris Benjamin, potentially, who could maybe fill in that five spots at times this season. So, yeah, for the Bears, it's live and die by the, the sword. And that sword is batting. Because last summer, we weren't good. We were absolutely dreadful. In fact, 26 batting bonus points is not good enough. We were very, very lucky to stay up last summer. So for Warwickshire, the seam attack's good enough. The batting is questionable. Am I confident, though? Absolutely. I back this team 100%. I think that with Warwickshire, you have to look at the history of this club. We go through these ridiculous peaks and troughs. So 2017, we get relegated. 2018, we get promoted. 2019, we only survive because of the new relegation rule. 2021, we do the first-class double. It's in the history of Warwickshire County Cricket Club to have these terrible seasons and then win trophies. So I back these boys. I back Will Rose as the captain. Obviously back Sam Hayne. Back the bowling attack. Come on, you Bears. Let's have a much better season this year. Please. I don't think my health can take another final day against, against Hampshire like we had last season. I don't think that's good for anybody's health. But yeah, I do back the Bears to come back a lot stronger in the summer of 2023. But Kieran, that does bring our squad analysis to an end then. And it does bring us to a conclusion for this season's Division 1 preview show. And I've got to say, it's been an absolute belter of an episode. We've had some great stats in there, some great conversations. Just one final thing, I suppose, Kieran, just to make it official, right, just for the case of the listeners out there, your prediction for the winner of the 2023 County Championship. Are you sticking with Surrey? Yes, I am. There we go then. So, Kieran, you're sticking with, with Surrey. The Brown Caps, you think they're going to secure their 22nd county title. I've got to stick with Lanks. I'm sorry if I do put the curse on Lancashire County Cricket Club, but I just love the balance of that team. I really do. I think they're going to lift their 10th county championship in 2023. So, regardless of who you support, please, if you can, get yourself down to watch the county championship this summer. Division 1 is mouth-watering with a capital M. We've got some scintillating basketball-style cricket to look forward to. We've got some excellent seam attacks, some blockbuster overseas signings as well. Get yourself down to your local county ground in 2023. You will not regret it. And if you can't, watch the live streams. We've got an entire summer of free YouTube live streams. We've got some games on Sky, radio commentary provided for free as well. Support county cricket in the summer of 2023. But Kieran, that is essentially it for today's episode then. So before we say our final goodbyes for the recording, mate, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, anything like that? Uh, yeah, just go follow me on Twitter at CP underscore McCarthy. Uh, sometimes I write things about cricket that are interesting. Uh, hopefully I'll have an article going out next week at some point. So, you know, that'll be one to look out for. Other than that, just uh, excited to watch some some cricket. Absolutely. The summer of 2023 promises to be an absolute belter. And personally, I cannot wait to cover it here on the Cows Cricket Podcast over the course of the summer of 2023. It's been such a long winter. Summer is here. The new season is here. 
county cricket is back and I could not be happier. So I think that's a lovely place to wrap up what's been a fascinating episode of the County Cricket Podcast. So each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.